T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Dream. Dusty Rhodes and Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. Sports Radio 550. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Sports Talk Saturday. No respect, no honor. There is no honor among thieves in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Make no mistake where you are. Ooh, you know the music. You know the man, Dusty Rhodes. You know me, Nate Geary, and that guy behind the board wearing his Nick at Night shirt, by the way. Very elite level shirt for this time of year. What Any time is, of year. What's the TV show? When you think of Nick at Night, what's the first show? Probably Keenan and Kel. My God. I'm so old. Yeah. Probably. Because that's when Nick at Night wasn't just reruns of old stuff anymore. It was just it was the new it was, was that new new. That's right. And it wasn't necessarily Snick either. This is not a Snick situation. This is uh just they just did straight up you know what i think people like new program we're just gonna roll new programming and then keenan and kel and what was the one where it was like all that oh, all that all that <laughs> yeah, yeah it was keenan and kel you had all that um you had roundhouse yeah feeling it yeah uh what else did we have that was live was nick and knight did did um uh hidden uh the the legends of the hidden temple absolutely was, it, was that was that nick and knight yeah okay um who was it uh Deion Dawkins said that that was what the game show he'd want to be on if he was ever on a game show. Absolutely. Legend of the Hidden Temple. 100%. Imagine Deion Dawkins trying to crawl through the set. Amazing. No, a giant of a human being just trying to squeeze through like the mouth of an ancient Aztec The Amanda statue. show. Amanda Bynes. She's really t- she's gone downhill since that show. Mm. Yeah, she's gone downhill. That's tough. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, so yeah, Nick at Night. If you've got any thoughts on that, we'd love to. We'd love to hear, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Because nothing else has happened. Not one other thing has happened. Not one. Um, I have slipped into a moderate uh, level of depression. Um, uh, mostly from the fact that I won't. I didn't really get to fully enjoy a fresh Thanksgiving meal this year because I was working. Thankfully, Derek's mom, Derek Kramer, here at the station, his mom brought in 
like a, a nice little feast for us, right? It was great. She brought in a bunch of stuff. By the way, not a big turkey guy. I just like I saw uh, I saw a Thanksgiving food ranking uh, foods ranked, and turkey was number one. No, they th- uh, big th- no. You can always refer to Howard Simon and Jeremy White for this. They usually do a whole procedure of figuring out what is their favorite Thanksgiving food on the morning show, Thanksgiving Survivor. Um, Thanksgiving Survivor. <laughs> turkey's usually one of the first to go, honestly. Right. Like, turkey never makes it, goes the distance. I just don't get it. I, I, I don't understand the infatuation with turkey. It's, it's, a, it's a bland bird. Wow. It's a, it's, it's a bland bird that's often shot up with steroids. It's you, like I mean, 50 you, times the size it should be. You've probably had it cooked badly. It's a real easy bird to do wrong. I, so here's what I, I was going to say. I, I've had a... I, Derek's mom brought in turkey, and it was probably the best cooked turkey I'd, I'd ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I smoked a turkey for Friendsgiving on Tuesday. Yep. Now, I didn't smoke a whole turkey. I just smoked a bunch of turkey breasts because I'm not a big dark meat guy anyways, and I didn't want to... There's a problem. I did not want to test out smoking a full turkey when everyone, when there were like 20 people relying <laughs> on me to make yeah, turkey. So I'm like, there's a lot riding on. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to experiment this way. So I did like five, uh, I did what? Six tur- turkey breasts did like a, uh, I, I used this Cajun mustard as the binder, lots of salt, lots of pepper, smoked, covered, put a whole half a stick of butter in each thing, wrapped it back up and put it back. Boy, that was that was some fantastic. I mean, it was as juicy of turkey as I've ever had. Yeah, that's the trick. They it dries out real easy, real easy. And if you dry it out, it is practically inedible. It's basically inedible. Yeah, but it's if you do it correctly, it's it's really good. I just think even when you do it really well, there's just so many other meats that I'd rather have. Proteins are generally flavor transportation vehicles anyway. You're not yeah, having it because it's the protein. You're ha- using it to transport something else with and it. And as long as it's properly salted and peppered, I guess right. you could really live anywhere. But like that's why, for me, if, if I'm given the opportunity... Now, I Christmas is usually this way because my grandparents used to cook a turkey and a ham for Christmas. Now we're talking. Um, but for Thanksgiving, it was only turkey. Mm-hmm. So... If given the opportunity to choose between turkey and ham, I am picking ham 15 times out of 10. Okay. I, I, listen, that's respectable. Yeah. As a position. Especially like a nice brown sugar glaze, like like a nice sweet outside. Sure. You know, I, I, I don't understand why people will go and get a turkey, put it in the oven for like 10 minutes to warm it, and then just because it's been previously cooked doesn't mean you can't torch the bleep out of the outside. Like, I kind of want that crispy burnt end on the outside of the ham. That's right. Like that's that's elite. Yeah, and it's especially true with the skin on the turkey. That yeah, stuff is, yeah, that's you, right. That stuff has got to be crisp. It's it got to be crisp. You got to do it. Have to do it because a soggy turkey skin. Miss me with that. Tur- thanks because there's so many avenues of attack in Thanksgiving. Like there's so many there's so many plays happening on the field at once, and everything about cooking is timing it correctly. Yeah, it's all chemistry. It is all chemistry. So that's right. When timing. You, when you add, anticipation, a lot of anticipation, whoop, baby. When you add a lot more plays on, on the field, a lot you have to go through all of your progressions. A lot of personnel groupings. That's right. When yeah. you when, like when you're going five wide and you just have to move through every single one of those progressions, you can lose stuff. So like that's when Thanksgiving goes wrong. Simplicity. So many things happening at once, you lose track of the turkey. Turkey stays in there maybe a little bit too long, maybe you miss time. People a bit. also try to do too much. They try to church up your turkey. Ooh, yeah, you don't need to. No, it's really butter, some herbs. What else do you Mostly really need? Mostly everything is butter. Yeah, I, I, I tweeted this out yesterday to have people try to tell me or guesstimate how many sticks of butter they ate 
between Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving, and just this week, like how many sticks of butter do you think you consumed? I, I conservatively said, because again, I did not get to eat as much Thanksgiving food as I wanted to. Yeah. In particular, no one at Friendsgiving made mashed potatoes. Really? Was a little, had I known no one was going to do it, I would have just done it. Did it just slip through the cracks? I mean, there was a lot of good, a lot of good stuff. I'm a big, I love stuffing. There was, there was like two plates of stuffing. Did you coordinate this ahead of time? Did there, people it know? Was, it was, yes. There, okay. there was a list. And I, I thought that maybe it was just a, a, an overlook by my part. By, I thought, how about this? I, I just assumed someone was making mashed potatoes. Ooh. Because that's like, that's the person Turkey, department. mashed potatoes is like the second thing on the list that you have to worry about for Thanksgiving. And Derek's mom made some fantastic. Uh, mashed potatoes as well. Um, yeah, I was I was a little disappointed, and then I went to my grandparents, and there wasn't not there wasn't much left. By the time I got done with post game and got to my grandparents' house, it was it was kind of slim pickings. Like yeah. I didn't I, I didn't get a lot to choose from. Um, but you know, someone at Friendsgiving, uh, my my girlfriend's friend Sarah, her her husband Peter, so we we call him the bread daddy. Ooh, he made big carbs, homemade. Um, Homemade biscuits, well, or like homemade rolls, homemade yeah. dinner rolls, and then he makes a cinnamon compound butter. Yeah, boy. Yeah, we're br- yeah, boy. Uh, man, we're bringing back the Buffalo Roadhouse vibes. Yeah, boy. Buffalo, that here's was... what I know: Buffalo people know how to eat, and pe- Buffalo people know how to have a good time. That's what I know. And and when you put eats and good times together, you get compound cinnamon compound butters with, That's with right. dinner rolls. Just use it as a face wash. Just yeah, yeah no, a- just after your shower. That's right. I I use it to um, the skin routine. Yeah, I I use it to hydrate the uh, the dry skin around my eyes. That's right. Just uh, a good compound butter. It's the cinnamon. It actually it's <laughs> it's, how, it's very complementary of your skin. That's yes, right. that's right. That's how you still look twenty one. That's right. Yeah, listen, there's a lot of UV radiation, especially in the wintertime. Up oh here. God, you, gotta, you more gotta. than more than you really want to give it credit for. That's right. All right. Um, we should talk about football. Why? I love you on Twitter because you go so hard in the paint with every single emotion that happens in a football game. That's right. Uh, nothing but big feelings. All of, the feels. Out of Nakiri. It is a down-by-down, down, moment-by-moment sort of... Um, the Bills are in a state of... A journey. The, the Bills are in a state of collapse, or the Bills are ascendant, and that is the only way about it. And honestly, I wish there was an in-between. I'm not going to Twitter for a rational take. No! No, I don't you want... You go to Truth Social no, for that. That's right. I don't want people coming to me saying, I need to calm down. Get out of my life, okay? You're not my dad. You're not the cops. When I'm watching Buffalo Bills football, I want a, a rational Actually unhinged. That's right. I want I want people to be having a psychotic break with reality online on about the sec- Buffalo on Bills. A, on a second down and three. That's right. I'm and that's gonna, me. I refuse to be out-Twittered by Philly Twitter. Absolutely correct. That's right. I, I'm glad you said that because I think it's important for people to understand. And and people are still, for whatever reason, like people have been following me for long enough to know. First mistake. Absolute unhinged. And I used to like I used to put a disclaimer. I might have to put the disclaimer back in my in mm-hmm. my Twitter because I cannot be you can't hold these things against me. They are what they are. That's I right. am what I am. That's it right. is what it is. So um yeah, and and you know I, I was having this this conversation today, and Bra- Brandon Keeney, who uh, formerly of the station, formerly uh, of our sister station, um, WBEN, uh, who's no longer with us, he is with us dearly in, departed. He is alive. Okay. He's just no longer at the station. Oof, okay, um, but you know he he kind of not came at me a little bit, but kind of was like saying, well, I, I think some of your concerns about the Bills are, are almost like like you're leaning into a little bit, like maybe you're pretending a little bit. And I was like, 
No. No, there's no. no. There's no pretending there's about no any of this. There's no pretending. No. I am as emotional and unhinged as it gets. I'm like, I, I had this conversation in postgame yesterday, and the thing you have to realize about this Bills team, and even going back to last year and the year before and the expectations that were there, have been elevated to simply a new and unprecedented level that has never been of a Bills team in my lifetime. And frankly, I'm not even sure that one of the four Bills teams that went to the Super Bowl had the preseason expectations that this Bills team had. They were consensus universal favorites to win the Super Bowl, and the quarterback was the consensus universal favorite to win the MVP. That's very that's rare territory. Not many teams start a season like that. Right. So when you go through the trials and tribulations of the midseason slump, you look at them differently than I did in 2018, and 2019, and 2020, and even last year. Like the they were seven and six last year. That to me doesn't even register anymore. <laughs> no. Like, think of everything everybody has said and felt so far this season, and they are eight and, and three, three, which is so much better than what they were at this point last season. And even so, it's just it's so laborious. It hurts. Uh, it like at times it's tough to watch. And now you just have injury after injury. And I don't want to beat the dead horse about this point. But again, the reason that I was so upset and so fr- and why a lot of people should have been that maybe were trying to convince me and, and sell me that there's next year, Nate. There is never next year. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> well, and if you are a-, a Bills fan <laughs> and you're coming at me, well, there's always next year. They're eight and three. Give me a- no, I know, but I'm, I'm talking this about, year. I'm We're talking about last year <laughs> when, when, when the Bills lost in Kansas City. And everyone's like, Nate, consoling me. Next year, this team's still so good. It's like, buddy. No. Buddy, don't sell me on next year. You have no idea what's going to happen next year. And then what happens? In week two, you lose Micah Hyde for the season. Now you've got Deion Dawkins with a left ankle. Now Von Miller could be lost for the season. Like, all of these things are factors you have to keep in mind when you're talking and trying to project in the future. You have to sort of live in the now while understanding that the future is, of course, very bright. And there is this window that they exist in. And the window is will be always propped open with Josh Allen at the quarterback position. But... Brendan kind of said to me, his point was, well, they have Josh Allen, so why are you worrying? Josh Allen played the best playoff bleeping ever (sighs) of any quarterback ever to have walked and graced the presence of the earth, and they didn't even make it out of the divisional round. No, I I mean, I can't believe how he's playing through what he's playing through right now and how it's affecting him, and it's clearly affecting the offense and everything around it. It's pure and simple. It goes through him. The throw he made to get them into field goal range on Silly. exactly one throw. Silly. Uh, with a with a bad arm, yeah. stepping into it and delivering it to literally no other place the ball could go for it to be a successful pass. I it's we that might be the best throw he's thrown ever. That throw. It's one of them. Yeah. And and it's like even when it's at its toughest, it seems, with the yes. amount of injuries they have, the people they're losing, the the status of the quarterback himself, looking like every game is now just an absolute dogfight, and there's not, never yep. going to be you're not, like they're going to kill that narrative about one score games because they will only because they're going to be playing games. a lot of one score games. That's right. It just feels that way, and then you have him uncork that. It's just. Good Lord. But it's got not some- even, you know, it's funny. And, and I, I said this yesterday on, on my podcast. Bruce Nolan's going to join us at 1230, by the way. Here's a quick rundown. Um, we've got Eric Turner, cover one. He's going to join us at 1130. Joe Yerden, we're going to switch gears just for a half hour. We're going to talk some Sabres hockey. Back to football with Bruce. And then Matt Verderam, a fan sided, joins me at one o'clock. So we've got a lot to get to today. I just wanted to lay that out for everybody so they knew what's going on here. Um, and happy small business uh, Saturday to all of you folks that are celebrating. Um, 
I, I watched a Sunday NFL countdown last Sunday mm-hmm. because I was sick and unable to be here at work. So it's the first time that I was really kind of sitting at home on a Buffalo Bills football Sunday and was watching the pregame coverage. And the NFL Live or the NFL Sunday Countdown coverage talked about the Bills in an almost a derogatory light, saying like, well, the Bills only – they you look at the Bills. They win all these big games. but or they, they blow teams out, but they can't win the sh- – t- to use – Winning by large margins against the Bills should tell you just what the expectations are for this team. And they celebrate the Minnesota Vikings for winning in just the worst possible ways by going down by three touchdowns and having to fight their way back to win with the quarterback who has to fumble himself in the end zone. They celebrate that, but then they look at that Bills game on Thursday and they say, well, the Bills shouldn't be struggling with the Lions and the Bills shouldn't be this. And the, the... the the moving of the goalposts because of the expectations, I think, is something that you sort of have to live with with this team. But for me, they have been incredibly ordinary for the last 12 quarters. The only thing different about the level of takes on Twitter and the level of takes on TV is that the adjectives that are used. Yeah, yeah. But they are just Because as, they don't have a 180-character uh, limit. Right, they're just as wild. Like, to say, like, the narrative of close-score games and that, you know, everything about what is the Bills and how they succeed and how they throw, to ha- like, the amount of takes that come out on TV about any team, really, not just the Bills, it's just as crazy and just as in- inane of takes as we see online. Like, I, did anybody ever complain about Michael Phelps winning close races when he was swimming? I don't think so. Like, Not never, that I know of. It's you just like, oh wow, that guy's really good. Look, he's blowing out Olympic fields all over the place. It's, you never come for some reason for the Bills. It mattered that they well, it's a close game. I guess it's it's a thing that they don't win close games, but every other game they win is by murder on television, right? Like the, the stat was three and nine in close games and sixteen and one in blowouts. Yeah. Which is still, I would like to point out, a winning record. That's right. Still a winning record. And I, I think that that narrative is largely overblown, the the close game thing. So you mean the Bills are 19 and, and what, 10? In overall, in all that entire span? And That's it's exactly mo- what that means. And it's mostly by audiovisual homicide and every Sunday. And the thing, too, is, listen, I will say that the Bills have not, in the Josh Allen era, won a game in overtime. They're like 0-5 or something, 0-4. If things get to overtime, I'm not really feeling too good. But I will say, like, this was a team that were living up to expectations through five weeks. If you looked at Ben Baldwin's charts, it was the Bills, and then, like, they were so far ahead. And eventually that was going to come down a little bit. But what I think partially they're struggling with is that key contributors are now depth players. And say what you will about you can say that maybe you're underwhelmed by the Bills' depth. Don't say that. The, the Bills are playing at above replacement level with a lot of depth players. That's right. If the Kansas City Chiefs had to play with, name their backup tight end, would they be as potent as they are? No, they wouldn't. If they, if they lost Orlando Brown Jr. and then lost Creed Humphrey in the same game, would they be able to protect Patrick Mahomes? Probably not as good, right? They lost a couple of their corners in that game against the Bills. And Josh Allen eventually took advantage of that late in that game. But the thing is, is if you look weeks one through eight, and then weeks, I think, eight through 12, it is the Bills here, and man, the Bills are next to the Browns right now. 
Yeah. I mean, that's how mediocre it has been. And when your expectations are as high as they are, and you see the offense in the situation, the kerfuffle that they're in right now, it's hard not to look at the offensive coordinator and say, like, what the hell, man? But at the same time, say, well, the injuries make it hard to evaluate. No, they don't. Because the offense has been largely healthy, except for Josh Allen. And is Josh Allen's arm killing the efficiency, the injury to his elbow, killing the efficiency of this passing offense? I would say it's certainly not helping it. But either is the offensive coordinator, in my opinion, who can't seem to build in easy things for his quarterback. Everything has to be so hard. They have to, they have to try to attack the most difficult places on the field. If you watched... Any of that, which apparently 41 million people watched, so I guess everyone here that's listening would have watched. Um, But the Dallas Cowboys-New York Giants game. And you watch that first drive. You watch the Giants walk right down the field on that that Dallas defense. And what do you see? You see the pocket moving. You see a, a tight end motion across the formation and then a rollout and a little dump pass to the tight end who takes it 40 yards on the second play of the game. Where is that? Like, where are the built-in layups in this offense? There are none right now. They are expecting it's either Josh Allen be Superman or they go three and out. And it's, A, not fair to him that this offense has yet to evolve to a point where it has to be 84% Josh Allen or nothing. That's a problem for me. Like, I know a lot of people looked at the... You know, people looked at the Brian Dable era as, okay, yeah, he was good, but we're ready to move on. A lot of people should be eating their words because it doesn't – I think a lot of people took for granted how good Brian Dable was at scheming up easy things early in Josh Allen's career and progressing to the really hard stuff, but still sprinkling in the easy stuff. There was the built-in Cole Beasley plays on third and four. You knew that Cole Beasley was going to run an option route, and no matter what the defender did, they didn't have the answer because Cole Beasley, if you went in, he'd go out. You go out, he went in. And it was as simple as that. It was easy. It was simple. And to tell me just because you don't have Cole Beasley anymore, you can't run those things, that's nonsense to me. Because you do have Isaiah McKenzie, who did a, who had a great first half last week, 100 yards in the first half. Really kept that offense afloat while, while Allen and Diggs struggled with the chemistry to find each other. They came later, trust me. But, like... Where's Khalil Shakir? He's he should be able to do the things, some of the things that Cole Beasley did in zone coverage. They just the easy stuff is not there, and it's not there because they're not trying. It's not there because teams are taking it away. The easy stuff of dumping, even what they have decided, what Ken Dorsey has decided, and what Brandon Bean has supported is the short easy stuff is to the running backs. I and am, I hate it. I'm curious because. There was always this tension, at least that was reported, between Dayball and McDermott about what the offense would look like and what the play calling would be. And should it be more run-oriented? Should it be more pass-oriented? And now Dayball leaves, takes the head coaching position with the Giants, and you have a very new offensive coordinator. You would think it would be much easier for McDermott to put his stamp on things and to have a, a greater influence on the offense simply because he's you know he has more authority in, that, in his position now. And I don't, I haven't sensed that really. It doesn't. We've been talking about the Bills' offense struggling for the past couple of weeks now, but I haven't sensed any kind of reporting or observations Mutiny. or anything saying like yeah. McDermott's starting to talk a little bit about what the Bills' offense There's needs murmurs. to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's because frankly they have run the ball decent. The problem with me is like last week 
Now, I know the injury to Deion Dawkins and the injuries on the interior, they changed some things, and it forced them to maybe get a little more vanilla in the run game. But, man, they just they abandoned that thing like it's nothing. They'll be up, and they should have ran the ball more in the second half against a bad Vikings run defense, and they didn't. And they kept throwing, and they kept throwing, and they kept throwing, and they were up by five points or whatever it was, four points against the Vikings, and they desperately need a first down, and what do they do? They wait, They literally took four seconds off the clock. They threw three times and punted the ball back to an offense that this defense could not stop. So I, I think there, there, there's a lot to me about there are rookie mistakes that the rookie offensive coordinator is making, and I can absolutely live with the rookie, with the inexperienced mistakes of a first-time play caller. I can live with those. It's the lack of the plan. It's the lack of the adjustments in the second half. This was a team through eight weeks that had an unprecedented historical point differential in the third quarter, and it has come way down to earth. They are downright putrid in the third quarter right now. And... I don't know if teams because partially because what they're doing in the first half, they're taking into the second half with them. And teams adjust and they aren't. And that to me is not an excusable thing, regardless of if you're a first time offensive coordinator or not. The problem is with hiring a first time offensive coordinator in the window that you're in right now, is I don't have time to get him up to speed. I don't have time to babysit and to hold his hand. He needs to be above board frankly, on the offense. The offense has to be the thing that you look at and say, well, if there's a lot of injuries on the defense, we have to be able to lean on the offense who does not have injuries. And they can't right now lean on the offense who doesn't have injuries. They can't figure out a way to feature in a week-to-week-out, really series-to-series perspective of Dawson Knox. They paid a whole bunch of money to him. Everyone that has a good tight end in the league finds ways to feature their tight end. He can't. That's a problem for me. I am not expert enough to know what the setup is on every single play. But I do wonder how much of this comes down to Allen. How much choice he has on the field of what, they're, what they might do in any moment. I know they run RPOs, but even beyond RPOs, like when he approaches the line, what he can call at the line, where he looks and sees guys open, what he chooses to do. Is he being too aggressive? Is he like, I'm going to throw it 15 yards downfield, even though I could get it to Knox here, and he's open and available. If that's a choice on the quarterback to be aggressive on every play, and you have a offensive coordinator who is enabling that saying like the choice is yours we trust you go get it as opposed to saying not right now so like i don't know i don't know the how any of that chemistry works let me tell you this i don't know if you noticed this the last couple of weeks 20 or 30 whatever seconds the bills had left they went down and tied the game at home against minnesota last week 23 seconds right when they get in the two-minute drill and they put it on Josh to call the plays, seems like it works. So, I'm just saying, when it's Dorsey, get out of my ear, I got this, um, they feature Dawson Knox. I mean, Dawson Knox was the guy, that if you remember from the Vikings game, he went 7 for 70 in that, or no, he went 7 for 70 in the, uh, in the Browns game. On that final drive, he didn't have a catch all game, Dawson Knox. And then a final drive of, the, of regulation against the Minnesota Vikings, he had those three catches that got them in field goal range. Bang, bang, bang. I, I don't think there's a moment where the play comes in that says specifically, by the way, never throw it to Dawson not. Knox. But it's there. Like there is there is, what I was talking about with the with the with the Giants, right? That that motion where you're featuring the number one read 
is the motioning tight end who's going to get into the flat in, in a foot race, beat a linebacker to a spot, you throw it accurately, he should be able to get upfield for a minimum of a couple extra yards of yards after catch. But you do that on first down, and now you have second and three instead of taking a deep shot on first and ten and having second and ten. Where This is just a different game plan. Right. You're getting to a different script when you're in second and three opposed to second and ten. So, like, that to me is where are those easy plays where you're like, this play goes to Dawson Knox. Does it feel – I'm trying to think back now because I haven't really been paying attention. I've been too busy looking at the takes on Twitter. Do, do they – have they got, gotten away from motion at all? Is no, there, they, it, they motion. It's just – it's it's mostly to ID people. It's not because we're featuring a guy in a play. It's, it's to figure out what the defense is so doing. So there, there's two ways you can look at motion, right? It's to ID the coverage. Or it's to get a guy in motion so that he is in a foot race at the snap of the ball with somebody else to give you the advantage of featuring him in that play. And that's the that's the play I'm talking about that right. has not happened with Dawson Knox really at all. And, you know, I, I'm talking about simplifying things and making the layups, right? The half field stuff, the flood, the, the, the flood, the, the, like, flooding zones to a half field instead of saying, Allen, drop back like a sitting duck and, and and do all of the hard stuff, which is to make all these full field reads, get right to left. He can do all of those things, but he doesn't have to do it 80 times <sighs> yeah, a game. You know, and you know what? That's how he got hurt. He yeah. Got, he got hurt dropping back in the pocket and winding That's up. Right. He did not get hurt running the football. That's right. He did not get hurt moving around and scrambling. Was the first designed run in the last eight weeks the last play that Josh Allen ran? Yesterday on Thursday, yeah, and I mean, like, I haven't seen one of those in a while. He, it's, I don't think he'll get hurt doing that. I mean, they they might have, they might have shied away from it because they don't want to expo- freaking slides, right? They don't want to expose the elbow and stuff like that. But again, not how he got hurt. He got hurt getting hit in the pocket, winding up to throw it deep, which is how almost all quarterbacks get hurt. They get hurt That's in the right. pocket. They take shots that they shouldn't take, or they get hit by the blind side when somebody missed a block. That's when quarterbacks get hurt. So if Allen is your best weapon and you need him to do everything that he does, the ball either getting out quickly or him moving is right now the best you can do for his health rather than having him stand back there and continue to look, waiting for the intermediate to long routes to develop. Because that's how he gets hurt, especially if your offensive line is battered. And especially when all of the routes in a given play are those deep those long, those long developing routes. You gotta I, give, give me the, the Ben Coates. I want quick slants that annihilate the linebackers of your opponent, like the Lions did all day long against Dan Jackson. All day. All right. Uh, for some reason, Maurice Claret is trending in the United States on Twitter. So is Hugh Freeze. It's a weird day, folks. Small Business Saturday. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take a timeout. On the other side, Eric Turner, cover one. We're going to break down a little bit more of this Lions-Bills film. We're going to preview our film room, which is going to be coming up on Sunday night. So we'll uh, we'll do this uh, on the other side. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday right here on WGR. Sal Capaccio takes you behind the scenes on Buffalo Bills game day with Sal's All Access. Watch it live on WGR's Facebook page. Sal's All Access presented by Duncan. America runs on Duncan. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. For a 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.